Welcome to Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. This podcast will take you on a journey into the world of gin, where you'll experience this versatile spirit in ways you never thought possible. Now the host of Ginspired, Heather E. Wilson. Hello and welcome to Ginspired, where we talk about and celebrate everything about the wonderful juniper lace spirit called gin. I'm your host, Heather E. Wilson, and on today's episode, I welcome Miranda Parker, Master Distiller of Compass Distillers located in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Today, we chat about her path to becoming a Master Distiller and her philosophy on product development, all about Compass Distillers, and of course, their gins, and so much more. Welcome, Miranda. Hi there. Thank you for having me. So, as with all episodes, we're going to start by sharing what we are drinking today. And because, Miranda, you have specifically chosen a cocktail for both of us to have, I'm going to let you explain what we are drinking today. Go ahead. Yeah, this cocktail is called the Mad Hatton, kind of a riff on a Manhattan with our aged gin called the Noon Gun Gin. It's also featuring our chocolate bitters. Mm-hmm. which is a cocktail accoutrement that you can also get from us. We have a bit of an Earl Grey influence in here. And yeah, it's a stirred cocktail, so a little bit stronger, but really showcases that aged gin. It really does. And what amazing is its complexity because you can actually taste a little bit of the chocolate, a little bit of the Earl Grey. Like if you really dig into it you can taste a little bit of everything but it blends so amazingly well thank you that recipe is created by our bartending team for our winter menu that we have on right now so if you're local to halifax feel free to come in and try it for yourself but if not listen and maybe you can try and make it yourself at home yeah, there you go. Or order online and get the ingredients delivered to you. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's find more about you first and your journey. So, I mean, I know you're fairly young. So were you always a gin drinker once you were of legal age, of course? Like, was that your thing or was it something else? Um, honestly, it wasn't really my thing. No, I was a young, broke student picking from some of the lower brow uh, products available. And so some of the gins that I drank as a young person were scarring. <laughs> Don't tell me it was uh, lemon gin. <laughs> I'm Every- sure you can guess almost the exact one yeah, it was. Uh, just about but, everybody's um, had that scarring experience. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, I honestly stuck to vodka for a while because... If there's nothing in it, there's nothing bad in it, perhaps, which vodka tends to be kind of the least favorite of my, you know, spirits these days, just because it is more plain. And obviously, I'm a little bit more excited on different, more complex spirits that take a little bit more, you know, expertise to create and get the hang of and make good products of. Right, right. So did you go to school to become a master distiller or how did you become a master distiller? I went to school for chemical engineering here in the city at Dalhousie. So distillation is a big portion of that program, but it is mostly taught in the frame of reference of petroleum and hydrocarbons, you know, fossil fuels and all Mm -hmm. that, which is maybe something they're moving away from given the changes in the energy sector. But yeah, I was mostly looking at getting into some sort of 
energy field related company. And in my experiences throughout university, I realized I didn't really enjoy working for government. I didn't really enjoy working for big business. And so approaching the end of my degree, I applied for a position at a startup distillery outside of town, thinking that it might be a good fit for me as a person, feeling more like a creative compared to a lot of my peers in my studies. So I started there, but I was kind of thrown into leading the production, which straight out of university, you kind of have no sense of reality. You're Mm -hmm. only being taught technical theories for years and you get a couple little stints of reality with the cooperative programs that you can go through. But it was a huge, huge learning lesson for me that real production facilities require a lot more just details that I had never even thought of before. So I was kind of treading water at this place and looked around town to see where would be maybe somewhere else that I could flourish a little bit more underneath somebody that had something to teach me. And so I approached Compass and they happened to be kind of shifting around their, you know, employment situation at the time. And I came on as the assistant distiller just over three years ago now and learned so, so much under our now general manager, Alex Rathel. He did amazing things for the company, for our reputation. He was the one who designed the Gin Royal. Mm-hmm. So had a great team to work with. And that's what really enabled me to learn as much as possible and step into the position that I have now, which is as the head distiller. The word master is a little scary as I am young and I feel like I have a lot yet to master in order to be deserving of that kind of title, but I'll take the head distiller title for now. Okay. (laughs) No worries. Wow. That's pretty exciting. I mean, the fact that you've really only been out of school for a handful of years and yet you're already in a position that many distillers would love to be at, you know, decades into their career. So you're on a good path, if you so choose, right, to stay in the industry and just see all the amazing things that are going to come with it. So you have the opportunity to mold that. I hope I can, you know, have my influence on the industry. It is very exciting. I feel very passionate now to be here with this company. I was at a conference just the end of last week, and there's lots of really amazing people that are very technically talented that are working hard to build a lot of their own equipment out here in the Maritimes. Right. And made me very appreciative for the funds that we have had Compass. I feel like I have been able to learn so much and work on such a variety of products because we have, you know, a little bit of cash in the bank. You know, and so I am definitely appreciative of the people here at Compass. And like I said, my boss, the general manager as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's learn about Compass. Now, obviously, they existed before you came along. So tell us the story of how Compass Distillers came to be. It was actually a group of friends that grew up together here in Nova Scotia. They all went through middle school together and then went off to do their own things all over. Really impressive folks, all with amazing accomplishments, and including somebody who also owns a distillery in Michigan. So they got together with all their passion for spirits and just, you know, wanting to make a business together that they would all enjoy 
reaping the products of or drinking the products of, reaping <laughs> okay. the rewards of, all of that stuff. So yeah, they started it up and really went for it. Honestly, we had quite a great setup right from the beginning. We had a consultant come in at the beginning to, you know, get us on the right track as well. But it's a lot of learning and a lot of just figuring things out as well. So our team really kind of just hit the floor trying to figure out everything they possibly could. Originally, we were highly in a nautical theme, hence, you know, a compass. Mm -hmm. We've got a bit of nautical reference in some of our branding as well, which is kind of just due to the interest of the people that started it up. But since we've kind of grown and some of our products have taken off and we're becoming a little bit more well-known, we're kind of excited to really kind of turn Compass into as much of one of the big guys as we can in terms of our branding being at the level of all the premium spirits that you see. We really believe that our stuff is on par with some of those ultra premium products. So we're going to, you know, continue the evolution of Compass and see where that takes us and hopefully bright future ahead. Oh, I'm sure it is. Okay. I know you have gin products and you have some other products, which we'll talk about in a second, but let's talk about your gin first. So you have your signature gin, right? Which is Compass Royale, right? Yeah, that is our gin royal. That's our like kind of staple, highest selling product. People really, really love it, not only for its flavor, but for its little party trick that it does, all thanks to a pH sensitive flower. Butterfly Pea Blossom, which has been a bartending trick for years and years. And there are a few blue gins out there, but the trick is to also make it taste really good. Yes. And we also support the bees with our gin royal, which is something that people enjoy. And we enjoy doing as distillers that rely heavily on, you know, botanicals and plant life and plant varieties, especially local plant varieties. So we love giving back in that way. But yeah, I think people do love its beautiful color. People love that it tastes good. And now you can get it in a lot of stores all across Nova Scotia and PEI LC has it as well. So yes. we're expanding all the time and who we can reach with that because we, you know, have interest in Ontario and New Brunswick and further out west as well, which is fun for us. Awesome. Okay. So then we also have the Noon Gun Gin, which we are drinking today. And that's your aged gin, which is quite amazing. How did that one come about? Actually, that one's kind of a blend of different parts of all of our gins. So when we're distilling and we're looking to kind of hit a certain recipe, a certain flavor profile for each of our gins, there is some good gin that just doesn't fit within the flavor profile of that product. And so when we're making cuts, we save some of that good usable gin and we blend it all together. And then we put that into the barrel and let it age uh, usually between a year and 18 months. And that's what we use as our noon gun. So it's kind of got a little bit of everything, which really lends to the complexity of it. Absolutely. I like to think that it can kind of appeal to not only gin drinkers, but whiskey drinkers. Absolutely. I could completely give it to my whiskey loving friends with, you know, ginger ale or Coke or something. And they'd be hard pressed to tell me, you know, that one, it isn't a whiskey, but two, that they'd be shocked that it's a gin. So it's pretty yummy for sure. Okay. So those are two gins. What else? I know you have others, other products too. So tell us about the rest of your gins and then we'll talk about your other products. We kind of 
staple unaged gins are, of course, the Gin Royal, our house gin, and the Gin Wild. They're all three very punchy and flavorful, but they are kind of each in their own direction. The Gin Royal, which we already spoke on, is more of a gin and tonic gin, obviously designed to go with those pH-changing mixers like tonic or lemon and lime juice, that such thing. So that one is a little bit sweet, a little bit peppery, but really nice and bright to balance out those strong flavors of tonic. Our house gin is my favorite for cocktail mixing. It's very fresh and light, has lots of cucumber, cilantro, and lots of citrus in it. It's really, really bright in the citrus area, which is one of my favorite things about it. I find it very juicy and just lends a lot of really good character to any cocktails you're making. And I find it just very easy to mix with cocktails. It relates to a lot of different flavor profiles. So that's kind of my Barkhart staple in terms of our gins. Our most awarded gin would be the Gin Wild. It tends to be very popular amongst people who really love gin. It's kind of our version of expressing juniper in a more beautiful way. Returning back to the scary stories of juniper being expressed <laughs> as a pine salt, you know, many people don't really give the credit of how beautiful the juniper flavor really is. And so we wanted to express that in a really full way. Juniper has this really beautiful berry sweetness. It does have that, you know, pine flavor to it, but when it's done properly, it's not aggressive. It's very, you know, like smelling spruce tips in the forest. It's nice, it's enjoyable and palatable and all that. And yeah, it kind of goes into this really nice earthy forest feel at the end, which is something that we really enjoy about the Gin Wild. But yeah, they each kind of have their own customer they each have their own kind of purpose. Gin Royal with tonic is best. Our house gin, easy mixer and cocktails. And then our gin wild would probably be the most sipping gin, though it is delicious with tonic as well. Okay. So when you yourself are making recipes for new products, do you have a creative process? Is it more just trial and error? Like what's the process you kind of go through for the creation of a new recipe? I myself really like borderline between a creative brain and a like science brain. So I really like to kind of come from both ends of that. I, you know, typically am making tables, comparing other spirits, our botanical loads, how much of this one versus this one, what have we done in past, a lot of comparative kind of analysis, which I really enjoy, but that's kind of just a starting point. The final say has to do with taste. So it is just a lot of trials. We do usually small jars at first, and sometimes if we haven't worked with a certain plant or botanical before, we will do a single infusion of just that product or plant in the same base alcohol that we will be using for whatever product, just to kind of see how it will express. Alcohol is a solvent, so it's going to dissolve cell walls, which means that it can bring out a bit of a different profile depending on how long you leave it. So kind of learning the timeline in which certain botanicals can go through that phase of not enough really delicate flavor, really full flavor, and then it hinders into bitterness and sometimes soapiness if you let it go too long. So kind of learning about individual botanicals and having that in the back of my brain, and it's kind of helpful for building recipes, but also it does end in trial and error. A lot of the times we do try and 
do the best we can on the first trial. But typically we do, you know, two trials maybe, and then we're trying to scale things up a little bit. Obviously for different products, you get different kinds of results. But yeah, in my experience with recipe design, you just kind of have to put it all together and see how it blends. And then also you can make adjustments afterwards as well. So if you think something needs to be taken out, all the botanicals would be infused separately if it was a post-distillation kind of infusion. But if we are thinking what's going to be in the pot of a distillation, we will do smaller runs on our test still first, which usually yield somewhere in about 20 liters, which is quite easy to blend into a larger batch once we kind of have that basis, make any tweaks, and then scale it up to our larger still. So yeah, starting with that test still is fairly important, but you do just kind of have to trust your analysis, trust your instincts, trust what you've done before, and trust what you learn and just kind of go for it, which is a lot of fun, honestly. I'm a big fan of just going for it. And (laughs) so far, so good. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Well, okay. So let's switch gears a little bit. What would you say as a distiller is your biggest challenge right now? Sourcing. We're still kind of in the aftermath of a global pandemic. So we had to switch suppliers for certain packaging products during the pandemic. And some of those weren't really up to our full quality standards. So we've since switched back since we were able to, you know, source our original packaging there. And we're still just kind of running into issues because we do use botanicals from all across the world. As much as we do try and source local when we can for such things, we just can't get the quantity of, say, coriander that we that we might want, which comes from places like North Macedonia. So some of the stuff we use travels quite a far ways. So yeah, sourcing can be a bit of an issue. And we're really particular about quality. So if a supplier sends me a new version of a botanical from a new country, we really have to test that out and make sure it's going to be up to our standard in order to start using it in our products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it amazes me that sourcing is still an issue. (laughs) I hope it recovers. I do. You know, fingers crossed. We'll see as time goes on. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you're not the only one. It's a big issue across the industry for sure. Okay. So what's next then for you and the distillery? Are you working on some new secret projects? You know, you don't have to tell us the exact, but you know, anything cool coming out for the summer, that kind of thing. We're always working on secret projects. (laughs) We try and release as many of our small bag products as we can. That's what really gets us distillers excited is working on those kind of one-off interesting things that we're not doing all the time. I won't give it all away, but like I said before, the barrel-aged Negroni in the bottle was kind of our first toe in the water into the ready-to-drink game. So... Okay. Um, (laughs) I think we have a big summer ahead and we really, really can't wait to show you guys what we've been working on. We did kind of a run of something that we haven't done yet before last week and it went really, really well. And it was pretty cool to see something that we've been working on for, you know, pretty well a year now kind of come into that first stage of fruition. So keep an eye out. Oh yeah. On that social media, get on our newsletter. Because I promise you things move fast when we do these smaller releases. They absolutely do. And I am on the newsletter. 
So, <laughs> yes. Okay, so now it is time for our fun Jincident story. And being that you're not that far out of university, I'm willing to bet <laughs> that you have at least one Jincident story, if not many. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of pondering this Jincident, you know, portion of the segment here, and I wasn't sure if the people are more interested in a funny story from my personal history or a funny story encompasses history. So whichever one you feel is the funnier, I guess. <laughs> Relative hilarity, hard to say, but I will stick with the compass one because I don't want to embarrass myself too intensely here. <laughs> That's quite all right. So yeah, in the distilling industry, as I kind of mentioned, we do wing it, you know, and so sometimes winging it can result in 800 liters of something that you weren't expecting to have. And again, along the lines of sourcing issues way back before we had Gin Wild as its own product, we were low on non-local juniper. So we ended up using a large amount of locally sourced juniper, which actually has quite a different flavor. It's a lot stronger, mm -hmm. has a little bit of salinity in it. We weren't familiar with that fact at this particular time. And so we replaced a bunch of the juniper in the recipe with local juniper, and there was a bit of a distilling accident per se. I don't know that would mean much to listeners, but there was a bit of a change in how we set up our still that was an accident. And it resulted in this really intense concentrate of like juniper essence. It was like yellow in a way that's not appealing and was just so intensely juniper that it could not be represented as gin. So we threw it back in the still, threw some more botanicals in there, really tried to balance it out and make it what it was intended to be. But we ended up with something completely different, which ended up being the gin wild. And people love that it's locally sourced juniper. People love that it's the really intense, you know, kind of expression of juniper that makes it so unique. And that's Really, another thing about Compass that we like to do is we like to create these really punchy products with really distinct flavors. So it was kind of hard to trace back from that. That was years ago. That was actually before I even started at Compass. So since I've been working with Compass, we've done R&D to try and make this product without distilling it twice how we did it originally, because that's a whole other day of work, basically. Right. But we can't exactly kind of get that same flavor profile without getting that really intense essence of gin. So yeah, sometimes mistakes are good and they are. sometimes they create award-winning spirit Absolutely. and that's why you wing it because, you know, Absolutely. mistakes work. Yes. That's uh, as Bob Ross says, it's a happy little accident. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you. So anything you'd like to share about anything else at all? I kind of mentioned a little bit before that we are kind of doing a bit of not a full rebrand, but a bit of a rebrand in the sense of just trying to upscale and really get on par with a lot of the big brands out there. Mm -hmm. But with that, we are actually renovating our bar downstairs, Ooh. which is really fun. We're, uh, you know, distilling team pretending to be interior decorators right now, which is kind of fun, but <laughs> we're really excited to kind of make things a little bit more sophisticated, a little Classy. bit more. Yeah, we want to really create a vibe where people want to go and spend some time and really can get the best cocktails that are available out there or in Halifax, for sure. We are trying to always 
broaden what kind of spirits we offer at Compass, but we do use some other spirits to complement our products. And we think that our bar team is really fantastic doing some of the best cocktails around. So we're just trying to bring up the atmosphere so that people are really, really excited to spend time here with us. We spend lots of time here and we think it's really great. So, you know. Everybody should. Everybody should. (laughs) Exactly. Cool. Okay. And there you have it. Everything you ever wanted to know about being a head distiller, Compass Distillers, all their super yummy products and experiences and what's to come and just so, so much more. Thank you, Miranda, for being here today. And thank you for listening. Be sure to leave us a review and check out the show notes for links to Compass Distillers and the ginshop.ca for all your gin clothing and novelty needs. Until next time, remember, a true friend reaches for your hand and puts a glass of gin in it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. If we've ginspired you, let us know by leaving us a comment and a review, or drop us a note at heather at theginshop.ca. We may even read your email or feature your ginspirational story in an upcoming episode. And remember to follow us on social media. Until next time, let the party be gin.